Uh, my name is Sharad Agarwal. I'm the Chief Metaverse Officer of CyberGear and also the founder of OnlyWebinars.com. And at OnlyWebinars, as some of you might know, we are hosting a lot of corporate and community webinars. And these days we do a lot of activity in the NFT, Metaverse and Web3 space. Because clearly, in my opinion, at least Metaverse is now the center of gravity. Uh, more than 12,000 articles have been published in the last 30 days uh, in this space. Uh, so today, uh, I'm happy to have with me a very good old friend of mine. I've known Mel for maybe five to six months now. And I've been tracking her on LinkedIn, her progress from early days till today. And I've seen how she's grown in this space and clearly, uh, you know, she's one of the experts in the NFT domain. And today she will be talking to us uh, right from, you know, the basics 101 uh, by defining what an NFT is. Uh, and then she'll talk to us how about uh, how, you know, we, each one of us can participate in the space by creating our own collection, either by ourselves or by partnering with some graphic designers or what have you and how we can uh, you know, use NFTs in the larger sense to monetize. Because in my opinion, when I look at the bigger picture, NFTs are a great tool to monetize whatever you plan to do in the metaverse. But again, you have to do it right. So you have to have a strategy in place with all the building blocks, have a roadmap, create a blueprint, and then get started. So you've got to figure out your whole metaverse strategy before you dabble into uh, this space. So that's my recommendation to you. And uh, yeah, I think we are good to get started. So I'm going to hand it over to Mel. But before I do that, I want all of you to know that Mel is coming to us all the way from US. She's in the greater Chicago area, I'm told. She's the founder of Invisible Lotus. That's her company, which she started. And uh, she will talk to us now for the next, I believe, 30 minutes. And then the audience can chip in with their questions anytime. Please use the Q&A tab to um, you know, ask any questions that you might have. And Mel, Mel and I will be happy to address them uh, later. So over to you, Mel. Wonderful. Welcome. Uh, for me, it's good morning. For you all, it might be good night. Uh, really happy to be here. Thank you uh, for having me. Um, yep, definitely open up the chat, put your questions in there for the Q&A because we will be doing that. And the reason I teach these classes because I just get so many questions in my DMs, on my posts. And so I like to be able to show up and offer some information for free uh, in addition to the paid courses, which I also have available too. So a little bit about myself. Again, my name's Mel Shapcott. I'm an abstract artist uh, and a Web3 educator. Uh, I'm located in the United States, and I'm coming to this with a, a background in Web2. So I've got a lot of skills uh, from web development and design. I was a project manager and um, you know a business owner for a web hosting company for, for about a decade. So I've got a lot of skills that I'm bringing into Web3, and I really um, love taking my tech skills and being able to combine it with my art. So I am trained with a degree, a uh, bachelor's of fine art and printmaking. And this space for me is 
it's just the optimal space to have the the tech and the art to come together and to to be somewhere that I can be in business and also be producing my art and really have this entrepreneurial spirit. So um, this is the place for me. If you do want to take a look at my art, uh, you can take a look at my website, melshapcott.com. And I'll also just invite you as well. I'm building an abstract art community uh, with some friends of mine. We're working together to put together, um, you know, attract and uh, build this community as well. So if if you're interested in learning more about that, we do a Twitter space on Fridays. So definitely um, inviting you to become part of my community and uh, take a look at uh, what I have to offer. If you go on my LinkedIn profile, you will also find a lot of written information there about NFTs uh, in addition to what I'm going to share today. So it will uh, provide a little bit more context if you have more questions. Um, so I like to talk a little bit about why I got involved in NFTs. I knew about NFTs as far back, well, not NFTs, I knew about crypto uh, as far back as 2017, 2018, and I knew about putting your art on the blockchain, but I didn't really know how you would do that. So a few years later, uh, 2021 came around, and I was still really curious about putting my art on the blockchain, but I did not know like what that meant, how to do it, or how you know what was my first step. And um, I started reading the news, and I learned that NFT, NFTs, or non-fungible token, is the technology, the new technology that I needed to put my art on the blockchain. So I started reading everything I could about NFTs. And as you may know, um, the statistics last year for women in crypto were very poor uh, when surveyed about only about 5% um, of the people that were crypto investors globally uh, were women. And that was a really concerning statistic for many people, including myself. And that was really why I started to put so much effort into education and helping to onboard other people, particularly women, particularly artists, people that I think um, would benefit from being a part of this space. So uh, bring us up to 2022. And there, um, the statistics show that 26% of crypto investors now are women. So that is a dramatic increase. I feel really proud to be a part of this and uh, really proud that our community and that um, just NFTs and crypto in general, like they're taking this seriously and that women are coming on, on board. Uh, and in fact, uh, when surveyed the crypto curious, so people that would like to be involved in crypto, 47% um, of those respondents were women. So this is really positive um, signs with the statistics that we're seeing. So uh, in addition to, to the, these statistics, like why do I teach these classes? It's because I have discovered that there's there's new markets here. Um, if you've got a, a working situation, which isn't typical, maybe you're not able to work a nine to five, maybe you're not able to go out to a job. Um, these new markets that have become accessible with NFTs make it possible for us to, to create creative solutions that, that we hadn't thought of before. So I, I'm someone that can't go out to a job and uh, these new markets have made it possible possible for, for me to make a living through this new technology. So that's why I like to onboard people. That's why I like to share this information, um, because I think this is an opportunity for us to really shift some, some paradigms that keep us held back, uh, to bring a new sense of equality uh, to these markets, particularly the art markets. 
Um, and in fact, many, many, many industries are primed to be disrupted, probably all of them, um, by this technology. So, so stay tuned. <laughs> I think it's really important to learn, learn now, learn this so that you can keep up and you can know, like, as this is coming, because your industry, whatever it may be, is most likely going to be disrupted. And so if you have this information, it's going to put you a little bit ahead, ahead of the game. So let's start with um, how to store your NFTs. So this is the, uh, like, the basics of where you get started. Maybe you've heard of a crypto wallet. Um, the most popular one on the Ethereum blockchain is called MetaMask. So if you don't have a MetaMask, your first step is to go ahead and set up <clears throat> set up a crypto wallet. And there's a, several different choices, which I'll go over here in a minute. Um, but first off, I want to talk about the basics. So when you're setting up the wallet, you have a couple choices. You have what's called a hot wallet, and that would be your typical MetaMask Ethereum crypto wallet. So if you have a MetaMask, you most likely have a hot wallet right now. You can also have a hardware wallet. So that is a physical device that you hold in your hand and is also known as a cold wallet. The, the physical device has buttons and no one can make transactions on your account without physically having that device and pushing those buttons. Um, so that makes it much more secure. Now, the hot wallet is gonna transact faster um, so if you're a collector and you're really trying to get like the best deal, uh, you might have better luck with a hot wallet because it's going to respond faster. Um, if you have a hardware wallet, it's going to be more secure. Hot wallets are targeted by hackers quite frequently, and so um, they can be a vulnerability. So this is just something that's very important to know. So that's why you might want a hardware wallet because your crypto, your NFT, your assets are going to be secure. This is the most secure solution. Um, but it's, it's a little bit cumbersome and it also costs you some money to get that hardware wallet. So when you are setting up these wallets, whichever one you, you decide to go with in the long run, um, there are some security practices that I would recommend. You'll be asked to set up passwords and seed phrases. Uh, for anyone who's new here, a seed phrase is 12 words, a string of 12 words that you will be assigned. Um, it's uh, basically like your, <laughs> your master password for your wallet because no other company is going to be able to help you to get back into your wallet if you lose your passwords. That seed phrase is what you're going to need. So you wanna make sure you store these things properly. You don't want hackers to be able to get them. You don't want anybody else to be able to see your passwords or get your seed phrase. You never wanna share them with anyone and to that and I have I've talked to a lot of people and this might seem a little bit uh, cumbersome or over the top, but the recommendation that I have is don't store your passwords electronically or your seed phrases. Um, get an old fashioned piece of paper and a pen and write it down. Um, make I would recommend writing it down several times, make several copies. I keep a copy of my seed phrases in a safe deposit box. You also might want to do a fireproof box, something like that. But if you're really serious about this um, and being secure and not having your assets um, hacked, this is the way to do it. So uh, no photographs, no <laughs> no scanning, uh, don't put it in your, you know, your digital notes, um, none of those things, uh, don't email it. So really just that paper and pencil, like that's the best way, way to do it. So, um, Hope that helps like clarify a little bit of the security practices. So I mentioned the cold wallet or the, the hardware wallet, and I mentioned the hot wallet. 
Now there is also something you may have heard of if you're an NFT is called an NFT vault. Now that was a mystery to me for a while. What the heck is an NFT vault? Well, an NFT vault is actually another hardware wallet. It's the same, I mean, two identical hardware wallets. You just have one which connects to your marketplaces, connects outward to other, other sites, and your NFT vault doesn't connect to anything. That's a hardware wallet that doesn't connect to anything except your other hardware wallet. And that is considered an NFT vault that is unhackable. No one else should be able to get access to that. So you put your most expensive NFTs in there for safekeeping. I will point out that one popular way to use this wallet combo uh, is to use your hot wallet for making transactions, um, or if you're an artist, a creator, and uh, you're getting paid in your wallet. So to, to use your hot wallet for those things, for your portfolio, and then to move money or to move crypto or, or assets into your hardware wallet from there. Um, so I work with a threshold, and when I hit a certain amount of money in my hot wallet, I push it over to my cold wallet for storage. So that is one way a lot of people work with their wallets. But you can, you can make your choice. Um, one thing to consider that's really important, uh, particularly if you're a creator, is your wallet is associated with your portfolio or your gallery of work. So if you start with one wallet, maybe a hot wallet, and then you decide a little bit down the line, you're like, oh, I, I want to switch exclusively to a hardware wallet. You'll be starting a new gallery of your artwork. Your work will be se separated into two separate collections, and you won't be able to make any changes to that. That will just be the way that it is. So that's why I like to start with this and give people some information up front so that they know when you're getting into it, like this is an important decision. Um, how you set up your wallets really dictates how you display your artwork at, from a creator perspective. So um, definitely like going ahead to pick one. Like when I started, I've got a bunch of different wallets because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, so I've tried a bunch. So I'll just name some here. So MetaMask is the most common um, for Ethereum. Rainbow is a, an Apple native app. Um, so it's also an Ethereum wallet. A MetaMask, you cannot see your NFTs in a MetaMask wallet, but in a Rainbow wallet, you are able to see your NFTs. So that's one distinct difference. Um, and then for hardware wallets, the two popular choices are Ledger. And with Ledger, uh, they have two choices as well. So Ledger Nano X or Ledger Nano S, or else another brand of hardware wallet is known as Trezor. So with the, the Nano X and the Nano S, um, these are popular choices. They're essentially the same. Uh, you can keep in mind that with the Nano X, you get Bluetooth access uh, so that you can use your mobile device to transact through your hardware wallet. So if you're not trying to, um, if you're not, if you don't need that level of complexity, the Ledger Nano S is going to be a perfect way for you to get started. Now, with these hardware wallets, you're also going to get an app. Um, it's called the Ledger Live app, uh, and that will allow you to see all of your assets that you have stored. You can look at this on your, your desktop. You can look at this on your phone, regardless of which wallet you have. Um, and yeah, it's a great way to, to manage and organize your assets and just see, see them there. And the last point that I'll make about wallets is, is you might want multiple wallets. Um, I've already pointed out you might want a hot wallet and a hardware wallet, but you also might want multiple wallets if say you have a big project and you anticipate a lot of royalties from that project. If they all go into one wallet, that is a 
point of vulnerability. Hackers will see that and they could come after that single wallet and they could drain it very quickly. Now, if you instead divert your royalties to multiple wallets, it spreads out your vulnerability and say one wallet gets hacked, you're not going to lose all of your funds in one hack. Um, another reason you might want multiple wallets is, is you might want to have a, a serious wallet, which has your art portfolio or your, your NFT collection on it. But then um, a lot of times we need to connect our wallets to different websites to get information or to just learn about things. A lot of times the first step to even enter some of these Web3 websites is to connect your wallet. Now, if you're not certain about who, whose you know, website it is, whether it's secure, whether there might be hackers, you might want to a secondary wallet just to play with um, that you're not worried about losing a lot of, of crypto from. So that's uh, what I have to share about storing your NFTs. Go ahead and put your questions in the Q&A. I love to do the, the Q&A at the end, but if there's any burning questions, uh, definitely, um, Sherrod, uh, you can shout those out. Otherwise, I'm going to move on to how to sell your NFTs. Yeah, Are we good? Go ahead. go ahead. Yeah, we're good. Wonderful. Okay. So, um, so how do you sell your NFTs? Like, what's the process here? So whether you've collected it and you want to list it again, that would be known as listing it on secondary, or whether you're creating it for the first time and creating your artwork, uh, creating your NFT and listing it on the primary market, either way, um, it's going to be a similar process. So you're, the first thing is you create a listing. Um, I'm mostly talking about Ethereum here today, but all everything that I share uh, also uh, applies to other blockchains as well, and except for um, the, the price of gas. So with Ethereum, if you're listing your NFTs on Ethereum, you may be facing a high gas fee. So just uh, be aware of that. So that's a, trans, a network fee that you need to pay in order to use the blockchain. And on Ethereum, they tend to be higher than other blockchains. Now, um, when you create that listing, making it for sale, you have two choices typically. So an auction, if you are first starting out, an auction is not always the easiest way uh, to get going. Like if you've got a lot of uh, a lot of collectors, a lot of people excited, uh, auction can be like really exciting. Um, and it can, you know, if you're new in the space, you're seeing people have auctions, it is a very exciting thing. However, if you are a new creator, your auction might fall flat. So it's just something to keep in mind. Um, I've certainly had that experience myself. Um, and so I like to talk about it. So uh, another option you have is to use a buy now listing. And that's really very simple. You put a price tag on it and somebody purchases it for that price. It's very straightforward and um, it's a great way to go. So, but how do you price your NFTs? Again, this is very personal. I love, love to encourage people, um, particularly if you're new, to consider pricing your work low um, because that allows you, and particularly if you're taking cues from cryptocurrency markets, like you will see like there is a process with a token, which an NFT is a token, where you're trying to build support levels, where you're trying to build um, levels where your collectors are invested and you, uh, you feel a sense of security there. So if you start with low pricing, you are bringing on a lot of collectors and building a, a solid foundation from which you can elevate and raise your floor prices and you can raise the price of your work over time and not have that fear that um, you know people are just going to put your list your work again and you won't have a collector base people you know so that's the fear so if you start low um, you have a lot of collectors invested in your work and that can give you a solid foundation from which to grow from now if you are a traditional artist and you already have a following that might not be the best thing for you so um, I recommend you keep your pricing in line with 
with your traditional artwork, whatever that might mean for you. It can be more, it can be less, as long as you can explain it to your collectors, like this is what I'm doing. Um, and then in terms of the auction, uh, you're going to be asked to set a reserve price. Now make sure that reserve price is the minimum amount that you are willing to accept for a sale. Because when the auction uh, concludes, if someone has met the reserve price, it will conclude automatically and uh, the work will be transferred and you will receive that amount. So it's really important to set that reserve price at a level that you're comfortable with. Also, when you're setting up your NFTs for sale, uh, listing them, you will often be given the choice to set up your royalties. Now on OpenSea, um, there is no, uh, this is just a little bit different about OpenSea, so just jumping back. So OpenSea, there is no cost for you to list your NFTs. That's what makes OpenSea a really attractive marketplace for, for people to get started on. So on top of that, um, they don't let you set your royalties. They have a set 10% royalty for all creators. And so that's kind of easy. You don't have to set that. But if you are on other marketplaces, you may have the option to set that royalty. So when your work is sold, on the secondary market, you will get that royalty amount transferred back to your wallet address. So um, the other choice you have when you go to list your NFTs is you can list on a marketplace, as I mentioned. Uh, some of those you're aware of, um, Super Rare, Known Origin, Maker's Place, in addition to OpenSea. Uh, so these are marketplaces and you can go and you can list your work there or you can have your own smart contract. So if you're a creator, um, owning your own smart contract gives you more uh, control over the ownership of your NFTs and how you execute and manage that. If you're with a marketplace, you're going to be using their smart contract, a shared smart contract, um, and your NFTs are going to be lumped into a collection with other people that are still that are also using that shared contract. And then if the marketplace makes a change, you just kind of have to roll with it. And those can be quite uncomfortable for creators when uh, marketplaces suddenly announce a change um, and you might not have been expecting it. So owning your own smart contract can really help you uh, eliminate some of those issues. Um, if you are interested in doing this, manifold.xyz is a, a site that you can use for free to create your own no-code contract. It used to be quite expensive to get to get your own smart contract. But these are some choices that have come up recently that are inexpensive or free and e easy for someone that doesn't have coding skills to execute. So um, Manifold XYZ, another service you can look at is called Nifty Kit. They allow you to create your own custom no-code smart contract. Now, once you've done that, you still need to list your NFTs. Um, and then you can list them, as mentioned before, on a marketplace like OpenSea will allow you to list your NFTs there still if you've created them on your own smart contract. LooksRare is another option. And then the third option that I can offer you is a website called CrossMint. So I've taken some look at that, taken a look at that, and that is an interesting, exciting new platform um, that you could also take a look at. So it's not just as easy as just listing your NFTs. Once you've done the technical steps, you then have uh, your social marketing, you know, letting people know about it, getting, uh, raising the hype, uh, attracting your audience. Um, some of this might be, uh, Sherrod will know about this, creating metaverse events, um, you know, getting people involved, building your community, nurturing those relationships. So, you know, listing your NFT for sale is just the technical steps. And oftentimes that's not enough to close 
close the sale. Uh, so these other things that I'm mentioning here at the end, um, the social marketing, the building relationships, the nurturing your community, these are really important parts of selling your NFT. Okay, so hopefully that gives you a little bit of information on how you can get started with uh, selling your NFTs. And now this is my favorite part. Um, I get so excited about this. Like what exactly is an NFT? I was in the space for probably a year without knowing this information. And I am going to guess that most people that are in the space don't know this information. Um, and that's why it's so exciting to me. So NFT, as we know, stands for a non-fungible token. And so non-fungible is a means that it's something that can't be divided. It's a singular item. Uh, a one-of-one -one piece of art is a great example of something that's non-fungible. Uh, you, can't, you can't take the Mona Lisa and rip it up into a bunch of pieces and give one to everybody, and they're not going to have any value. It's not, it doesn't work like that. It only has value as a singular piece, a one-of-one. One. It's unique. Um, you also have, uh, say, like numbered tickets. Like if you're going to a concert that has assigned seating, you're going to get a singular ticket that is unique to you, um, as well as the lottery. Everyone's ticket is uh, exceptionally unique. So these non-fungible tokens or, or NFTs are governed by the token, the Ethereum token standard known as ERC-721. So whether you're a creator or a collector, you might hear people talking about this, ERC-721, that's what that means. This is the gold standard for NFTs and non-fungible tokens. It's a singular, singular item, a singular token that can't be divided. Now, if you've got semi-fungible tokens, on OpenSea, we have semi-fungible tokens um, because these are things that can be done in additions. So you have multiple copies of the same thing. For instance, a fine art print, you've got you know, multiple copies that all are the same and everybody can own their own copy of it and take it home with them. That's an addition. Um, the semi-fungible tokens would also be useful for gaming items you know, in, 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 in metaverse game. Um, so everyone has the same jersey that's on the same team. That would be a, an example of something that would be semi-fungible because everyone has, has one, but they're all the same. Um, and then membership. Membership is another uh, use, use for semi-fungible tokens because you don't get numbered seating. Uh, all members can come in with the same pass, uh, kind of, yeah. So this is just, uh, and this token, the semi-fungible token is governed by the Ethereum standard ERC-1155. And again, if you're on OpenSea using their shared contract, you will be minting ERC-1155 tokens. Whereas if you're on your own smart contract and some of the other marketplaces where they're doing true one-of-ones, uh, you will be minting with the ERC-721. So so these are just some things to note. Now, what is that NFT? Like, let's get to the point of that. The NFT itself is actually a collection of metadata. So that is your image or video file that you're, you know, that you would see the artwork. So that's the, the number one piece of metadata. You also have the title, the description, and then properties. So properties, uh, if you're looking at an NFT project that has traits, for instance, eye color, hair color, those would be properties that would be um, configured into, into the NFT as part of the metadata. So all of this metadata, which makes up your NFT, is stored in a permanent storage solution. So a permanent storage server, much like your website is stored on a, a Web2 server, uh, these permanent storage servers, permanent storage solutions are what where we store the metadata for the NFTs. Now, there are some popular ones. Um, Rweave, you may have heard, heard uh, mention of Rweave and IPFS. Those are the two most common. 
Now, if you are minting on a marketplace, they're going to handle this for you. You don't have to think about your permanent storage, but if you do have your own smart contract, you may need to be thinking about permanent storage because this is where your NFT actually gets stored. Um, now, ownership of that, that metadata, ownership of that metadata is governed by a smart contract. And that smart contract can be interacted with. You can interact with that smart contract using your crypto wallet. Now, that smart contract is actually just code um, that's been written and designed to execute a transaction between the buyer and seller. So you can use your wallet to interact with that code. If you're on a, an NFT marketplace uh, website, you'll be using your wallet to interact with the code of the smart contract and to initiate a purchase or to initiate the sale. Um, and so that that's really it. So the ownership of that metadata is governed by the smart contract. And once you've executed that transaction, um, that is recorded on the blockchain uh, for everyone to see again in a permanent in a permanent way. And then within that smart contract, it refers back to the metadata of your NFT. And that's why it's important for it to be in permanent storage because you always want that code to be able to, or that smart contract to be able to refer back to the place where your NFT is. And that's what makes NFTs permanent and long lasting. So to wrap it up, like this is a question that I've had before. Isn't your NFT in your wallet? Um, the real answer is no. Uh, your crypto wallet, your MetaMask, your hardware wallet, your NFTs do not live inside your wallet. Um, they're actually, as I said, is that metadata that's stored in the permanent storage. Your wallet allows you to access um, access the NFT, uh, to transfer the ownership of it, to see it. Um, it your wallet is simply uh, like, like a, a vehicle. It's just a button to interact with that metadata, to interact with the ownership. So your NFTs are actually not in your wallet at all. So if you lose your hardware wallet, won't you lose your NFTs? Not at all, because they're not in your wallet. So if you do lose your hardware wallet, um, you need to make sure you have your seed phrases. That's why the seed phrases are so important, because if uh, you know, you misplace your wallet, you can simply get a new one. You just go online, order a new one, get a new wallet. Um, and then if you want to activate it with your data, you need that seed phrase, and that will allow you, again, to access that metadata with your wallet. So this is why it's really important uh, for you to have your seed phrases stored um, in a way where you can retrieve them if, if your information is lost. So um, that is what I have to share about what exactly is an NFT. I hope uh, that was interesting and useful to you. So go ahead and move to the um, Q&A, move to the chat. And while you're putting your questions in the chat, um, I'm going to get to those in just a second, but I want to take a moment to tell you a little bit about my class. So today, what we've gone over is a, a taste of what we do in my class. Uh, I'm currently, I have a class that's open called Everything You Need to Know About NFTs. We talk about all of these things. We talk about getting started. We talk about um, marketplaces, um, which blockchain is appropriate for your work, what different audience uh, is there, you know, where's the appropriate audience for you to connect with in terms of like a blockchain, in terms of building your business, whether you're a creator or a collector. We talk about designing a collection, um, building and launching an NFT collection. We go into some really interesting concepts like fidgetal. Um, what is fidgetal NFTs? Uh, what uh, rarity, why is rarity important? Utility, what is all the fuss about utility? These are probably words that you've heard heard in the space. So these are things that we will talk about 
Um, and I really love teaching this class because, again, like I said, I want to onboard people. I want people to have access to these new markets. And not only that, like within NFTs, within Metaverse, within Web3, there's a certain culture that's here that you don't just pick up on day one. And that's really what my course um, allows you to have access to, kind of a shortcut to getting started. So you don't have to spend a year in the space learning the language. Uh, I, can, I can help you and help you understand what the different words mean, like off the bat. Um, um, and how to connect and relate to other people in this space, because there is a certain culture that has grown up here, um, that has emerged here, that is going to be a little bit foreign for anyone who's entering the space for the first time. So, okay, I'm about to take a look at the Q&A. And also, um, I'm going to drop a promo code in there for my course. So everything you need to know about NFTs, it's running right now. Um, I've got about a week to register. So I've run this class all summer. It's pre-recorded. You get six classes. Um, and you get to download the PDF as well. So this is a really great, great way to get started for anyone to get started. It's geared to collectors, creators, or people that are consultants and they wanna bring this information to their clients as well. So um, I'm gonna go over now and take a look at the Q&A. And I think uh, Sherrod might be helping me with that as well. Or sure. uh, you're gonna yeah. read the questions to me. Do you have the ones yeah. picked up? <laughs> yeah, Be before we get to that, I just want um, you know to share some information with our audience, which might be helpful for them. Uh, so you know when we when we talk NFTs, uh, there's a lot of jargon associated with it. So what I did was we created a glossary for NFTs, which is published on cyber-gear.io. It's a free-to-download document with almost hundred phrases such as airdrop, aping, bridge, burst, uh, diamond hands, paper hands, ERC20, hash rate, pump and dump, rug pull, whale. They mean nothing to me. But once you get into this jargon, uh, you get to understand the NFT concepts better. So if you are interested in taking a deep dive, you need to educate yourself with the NFT glossary. Again, you can get it at cyber-gear.io. That's one. Second takeaway for me is that to be successful in the NFT space, you need to build a community around it, right? Those are the people who will help buy, promote, and spread the word. Now, uh, I know a thing or two about community building, so I want to share that with you very quickly. Uh, we have we are creating a community called Meta Shapers, and I do want to give a shout out to some of our Meta Shapers who are in the room today: uh, Susan Furness, uh, Javier, uh, Jamie, uh, Maria. Thanks for being here. And those who want to join our community, you need to go to meta-shapers.com, register, and you can uh, interact with like-minded people. Uh, so I'm going to get to the Q&A and the questions that people have posted in the chat. Mel, we'll do it uh, one by one. There are lots of them. So I'll take probably seven or eight questions. And um, there is uh, not in any particular order, but um, Saad wants to know a little more about the seed phrase. So can you talk a little more about that? Sure. Um, there's not too much to share about the seed phrase. When you go to set up a wallet, um, a lot of times, I mean, every time I've set up a wallet, it generates a seed phrase for you and it says, here are your 12 words. 
and you write those down on a piece of paper and that's really it and those 12 words they act as as your master password so for instance you have like a simple password which you use frequently to log in and out of your wallet you know like uh i don't know tet just a just a simple simple password whatever you would usually whatever you would usually use and then you would have the seed phrase also and that is like your master password you're not using that uh very frequently at all only if you need to re-import your information because you've lost your wallet or lost your passwords right great so javier uh florin who's uh, again a friend of ours and the founder of dnaverse He's got lots of questions for you, Mel, but I'll just get to maybe top two questions that he has posted. He wants your personal opinion on OpenSea. It seems that they are struggling with you know, a lot of challenges. So is that a good platform to consider or would you recommend some others that people should? you know? Maybe? Sure. This is a really, really great question. And I spend a lot of time talking about it as well as you know, with my other friends within the space. This is a big deal. Um, OpenSea is the biggest marketplace. Um, they have been uh, people mostly, you know, most people know about it. It's the most mainstream name. Um, and it's really hard to get away from. There are some things about it that are undesirable. There's a lot of things about it that are undesirable. There's a lot of reasons that people wanna leave OpenSea. Um, me personally, my reasons for wanting to leave OpenSea include um, they made a bunch of changes at the beginning of this year uh, without really taking their creators into account. And that just really put me on alert of like, wow, these people are not looking out for me. They could make an announcement at any time, which completely impacts my business negatively without any concern or care for me at all. So that is kind of what got me moving, um, thinking about leaving OpenSea uh, open as well as <clears throat> I believe Known Origin. Uh, they are also both uh, part of, they don't allow um, creators from sanctioned countries uh, that have been sanctioned by the US. And so creators, you know, they just get booted. They get kicked off the platform um, if they're in one of those countries. And so that is another uh, point um, about OpenSea that people have a problem with. So those are just some, you know, those are just points that uh, you can take into consideration. Now, um, it is hard to leave OpenSea. Like, as I mentioned, even if you get your own smart contract, you still need to list your work somewhere. And still the most popular place for listing your work is still OpenSea. Um, I think, I do think it's a really great place for people to get started because it removes barrier to entry. You don't have to pay those high gas fees. There is only a very minimal fee for someone to get started the first time. And after that, as a creator, you don't have any fees. It's easy to understand um, and everybody is using it. So I do think it is a great place to get started. And I do think that if you're a creator that um, intends to be, you know, a professional part of the space for a long time, there is a lot of reason for you to look for other marketplaces. Okay, super. And Javier has another follow-up question for you. Uh, he's struggling with finding the right team, you know, for his uh, project. Is that uh, something you are also experienced? The right expertise in this field is very hard to find and uh, is a challenge for most organizations. So can you guide him in some ways on where he can find the right talent? Yeah, I mean, I think I'll just share with you that uh, my journey into teaching these classes kind of started there. I thought I was working on an NFT, well, I was working on an NFT project, and I realized I didn't have the team, which I needed to launch it. 
And then in order, you know, I started by contacting people and say, hey, can I hire you? Or like, how do I get a team? Or like, who can help me build a team? And through that process, I started learning everything that I have learned and now put together into my coursework. Um, and so as far as like building a team, yeah, you need a budget at this point. I think, you know, a year ago, maybe, you know, beyond uh, before that, you could get involved with a project or you could get, um, you could bring people on board with your project for, you know, equity. People would work uh, in exchange for a portion of the profits. Well, that is not really happening as much anymore. Um, and so it's really important for you to have a budget. But where do you find those people? Um, I would say on LinkedIn, um, you can connect with me. There's other people that you can connect with and find uh, find somebody that you trust, uh, Sherrod, myself, and see who they're talking with on LinkedIn. Um, and that's, that's how I've gone about finding people for my team. I think it also helps to uh, focus first on building your community. Um, because that with uh, something that was brought to my attention, a lot of times your team comes from within your community, depending on um, what roles you need to fill. Um, but that bringing that community together and start starting to build that and attract your audience, that's also going to attract those those people that you want to have on your team. Okay, great. And uh, there's another question uh, from Saad Yafai. He wants to know for the banking sector, what can be the NFT? Is it the card, the insurance, the loans? So in that industry, how can one use NFTs in the sure. banking sector? Yeah, yeah, sure. So uh, an NFT is uh, <clears throat> an NFT is really um, uh, sorry. It's it can really replace any contract. So um, so anywhere you've got an exit, uh, you're trying to enact a transaction between a buyer and a seller. That NFT, that smart contract, can replace that uh, in real life contract that you're used to using. So I'm not familiar as familiar with banking, but in terms of of loans, like housing loans, are already being verified by uh, NFTs. Um, uh, having that information recorded on the blockchain, it hasn't gone so far as to be completely independent of the paper, the paper deed, um, but it is being used at this point in conjunction. So anywhere you have a transaction which you need to record something permanently on the blockchain for everyone to see, um, and I imagine in banking there's a lot of uh, use for that as well. And so with the NFT, that would simply be be transferring something to somebody. So um, rewards programs right now are looking into using NFT. So I think within the banking sector, um, that is something that uh, a use for NFTs as well. Super. Uh, John Freeman wants to know that besides artwork, what else can be sold as an NFT? Sure. Um, <clears throat> Well, uh, at this point in time, we've got luxury items. So luxury items are being uh, sold and verified as NFTs. Oftentimes they're being uh, marked with a, 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 an NFC chip. I don't know if you're familiar with those, but it's kind of like a barcode. It's a chip that uh, gets placed onto the physical item. And then that corresponds with the blockchain as well. So, um, so luxury items can be bought as NFTs. Um, like I said, uh, we're moving towards the place where you can uh, buy homes as NFTs. And let's see, I think I'm trying to think. So you can buy services like some people have listed their services as NFTs, really anything that you can buy and sell. Um, right now, we really have two main industries, and that's why it's hard to come up with a lot of examples. But we've got art and collectibles that are using NFTs right now. And really anything that can be sold, bought and sold can ultimately be done with an NFT. Yeah, it can be a tweet, it can be a poem, it can be virtually any digital asset. 
So yeah, yeah it's up to your creativity and imagination, I guess. So what I would I'm say, also, I would, yeah, I'd yeah. say too, uh, music, I didn't mention, but yeah. music is a big yeah. um, NFT, use for Absolutely. NFT. Yeah, so uh, also Mel, I've got uh, Juan Castillo from the audience who's joining us on his uh, camera. Welcome Juan. Juan is the uh, marketing head of DNAverse and he knows a thing or two about launching NFTs. So Juan, please share with us your experience in launching NFTs for DNAverse, what that journey has been what are the rewards and expectations? So happy to have you here. Shout out, Mel. Thank you for having me. Uh, by the way, Mel, I'm, I'm just listening to you and, and you are spot on. You are just describing all the pain points that a collection goes through and what you actually should do and should do like a proactively to try to avoid certain steps of the way and to see, okay, what should we do now? You hit a wall. Okay, now I don't know where, which direction to go. What should I do? Uh, and I think I think you are on point on, on, on those points. Uh, yeah, I, one of the one of the key things that that you actually mentioned uh, is like to to the pricing, the pricing to go low before, uh, or to to set the price low so the community can actually gather around on a riskless way uh, and extend, you know for a, for a hope of expectation and building a community from that point. In our case, uh, because of the work behind, because the amount of months and resources that we throw in the into the collection we we do the other way around we start with a with a short 200 pieces collection which is going to be kind of like the the rarity and the trace and the, the ancestry of our of our uh, nft collection and we we priced a bit higher than the usual uh, average collection that you see around which is 1.3 1.6 depending on the white list of or is a public sale and the and the reason we did it this way just just continuing to your thread is because we believe that the, the beginning, the, the believers of the collection should be jumping in, knowing in what direction we are going to be going, right? And this shouldn't be not regarded uh, on the price, but on the opportunity ahead. We always try to compare, uh, you know, startups or companies or projects with, with massive organizations like, like Amazon or Apple. If you jump into Apple like, like 20 years ago, now you should be a millionaire, right? So we are trying to give this sort of feeling like, we are obviously it's a far cry comparison from from what we would try to achieve but you try to jump into our project because you believe in it right we i think the the community uh, as as i'm seeing uh from the marketing perspective first of all there is a lot of noise out there so it's it's quite hard to to build another community uh, or join another discord when you have 50 discords opens already uh, and what kind of value you you give to this community, right? What kind of gamification you need to to level up? You need to do the same sort of things that everybody is doing. That's why also we say, okay, let's let's move away from that. Let's, our whitelist is going to be democratic and open. We want people that believe in the project. Like we want only two hundred pieces, and from there we start building the second drop, which is going to be a massive or more or a larger collection on a cheaper price. Um, because we want to have this base, this base of believers that are not going to come to flip the collection. They're going to kind of, you know, stay there with us and support us and open the network for us and so on. And this is how we did it. And that's how in the direction we are working right now. Um, uh, as I say, the marketing pain, in, in my opinion, is it's cut the noise. What kind of value you are giving to the community and where are you going, right? Uh, because... I think that the, the community or the NFT in general, the market is getting educated, uh, unfortunately, by bad actors, as you will, you will point out. Um, there have been rug pulls, there have been scams, there have been projects that after they sell, they don't know in which direction they're going. Uh, and that's why we try to figure it out before selling. 
uh, we we developed with private funding, uh, and now we are in this in this moment of okay. Now we have a sort of roadmap ahead until 2030, 20, sorry 2030 2035, and now we can start adding these collectors and say okay, this is the direction we are going right because. We don't want to be in the predicament. Okay, now we sell out. We have ten thousand people on Discord or five thousand, and now we need to start figuring out what do we want to be, right? Are we going to be able to build a metaverse? Are we going to build a DAO? Do we want to do this a token? So that's what we put in place. And 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 what Sharad say, we are we are in the process of minting in in a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, and and this is something that everybody should be consider when the if they really want to join a collection or even create one. Uh, you already went through. Uh, a fantastic uh, masterclass here, so I, I don't want to point out more more things, but to be aware of of where you want to be, what do you want to do, and what kind of collectors you want to be. Great, those are great tips, Juan. Thank you for sharing your experience. I wish you a lot of success in your future endeavors. And I have to say, I'm a proud, uh, you know, uh, ambassador uh, for DNAverse, and I always uh, like to give them a shout out for a very super interesting metaverse that they are creating. Thank you, Juan, for your presence. Thank today. you, Shara. Thank you, Mel. Yeah, most welcome. So, Mel, there's one more question uh, I'd like to take uh, from uh, Maria. Uh, I never can get her name right, but she accepts me calling her Maria. She says, uh, this has been super interesting. Thank you both. The question is, if I sell physical fashion as an NFT offering a limited quantity, is the item then a semi-fungible token or what's the correct uh, terminology? I love that. I was actually trying to answer that question. I was trying to type the answer. I'm, okay. I'm happy you could just go let me speak that one because this is a good question. Yeah. Um, so it, it depends on how and where you mint it. So if you are minting that on uh, OpenSea with the, an addition of uh, or copies of the same the same NFT, so like 10, uh, you change like the quantity of the NFT. Uh, it used to, used to not be easy to do that. But with their latest contract update in OpenSea, you just put in a number. So if you put your physical fashion there and you say, I want 10 of these, that is a semi-fungible token. Now, in, within the space, we don't really talk about semi fungible tokens. If you're talking to somebody else, you just say it's it's an NFT that has additions. Um, so that would be the terminology, an okay. NFT with additions. All right, super. So I think um, there's yeah, somebody, I think Carrie uh, wanted to know if there will be a recording of the session available. Uh, most definitely, it will be tomorrow, same time at onlywebinars.com. Uh, you can also get a podcast on Spotify. So that would also be shared. Um, on our website, onlywebinars.com. Uh, it's time to just wrap up now. And um, Mel, there have been so many, um, you know, takeaways. While you were talking, I was just uh, taking notes. And I want to summarize by saying, now I know what a hot wallet is, what a cold wallet is, what a seed phrase is, what an NFT wallet is. I know the concept of multiple wallets, the auctions, how do you price your NFT collection? How do you create smart contracts on your own through manifold.xyz or Nifty Kit? So, so many uh, learnings and thank you for sharing your expertise. And I wanna thank the audience for sharing their 60 minutes with us. Uh, do stay in touch with Mel or, or myself on LinkedIn, you know where to find us. Uh, you can register for Mel's courses at melshapcott.com. Easy to remember, melshapcott.com. I know she has something starting on August 2nd. 
and a two-week course, I believe, starting on August 23rd. Am I right, Mel? Uh, the uh, the six-week course. It's August 23rd, six-week course, yeah. Six course, yeah. Great, yeah. So uh, for those who want to take a deep dive and learn more about NFTs, I do recommend uh, you register for Mel's classes. And uh, once you, you know, learn more about the space, do share it with your community, with your friends, with your family, because the most important thing in the space is education. It's early days. Uh, we are all learning. There are no experts in many ways, but uh, we are all leaders because we've got into the space early. And uh, one of the responsibilities of leaders is to share uh, the information with the community. So I urge all of you to uh, share on whatever uh, you know, your platform of choice is and let us all grow together. So with that, uh, I would like to end today's session with a big thank you to Mel for being here today. Look forward uh, you know, to having you back again for a deeper dive. And uh, let's uh, plan that for sometime in September, Mel, if, if, you, if you will accept my request now. We will schedule Absolutely. that for some time. Absolutely, Sherrod. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, especially since you let me answer my favorite, you know, talk about my favorite topic, which was what exactly is an NFT? Like for someone who's read about everything, that's the thing that really gets me excited talking about. Like it's metadata. Yeah. So Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so thank you audience for being here and uh, we'll see you on the other side. We have a lot of interesting webinars coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned and go to onlywebinars.com. Thank you, Mel, and thank you, audience. Bye for now. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye.